0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number eighty-eight. We're back—the end of another week—with another preview episode. This time for hashtag UFC Vegas twenty-four, which is headlined by a big, big title implication fight <laughs> here at middleweight. Robert Whittaker, the former champion, going up against Kelvin Gastelum, the man who's. Fought for an interim belt before, been there, done that with the best of them.
1: The fight over two years in the making. Yeah,
0: and um, is upon us. I I'm very excited about this fight. It's weird, Kelvin being on that that three fight skit. He was just Mm -hmm. on, you know, 2020, not his year, and yet he gets a a big bounce back over Ian Heinisch, who's a good opponent, but now. All of a sudden, he like that one win was like enough to make me think that he can be competitive in this. Yeah, fight he here. looked
1: really good in that fight. To be fair, it showed just, off a lot of his grappling, which we haven't seen in a long
0: time. So it's just strange because that was definitely a step back compared to who he was fighting before. Yeah, you know, because he lost to Adesanya, one of the best fights of all time, got outpointed by Darren Till. And then had a really weird He'll loss yeah. to Jack Romanson. So he takes a step back, fights Ian Heinisch, who's a little more unproven, mm-hmm. wins convincingly, good win. But now, you know, that, in all fairness, that probably shouldn't be answering all of the questions. Like, you know, is Kelvin really back to the Kelvin we saw against Adesanya? Yeah. Yet I feel confident that he is. It's weird. Um, and I feel like this fight's going to be a lot more competitive than the originally scheduled bout, even though Paulo Costa was a much higher-ranked opponent than Kelvin is. It's a good point to make. But,
1: I can't wait for this fight. Really can't.
0: Yeah, but um, I guess we just kind of got straight into the fight talk now. Yeah, so. but we had to we got to rear back because we got a couple things to discuss. Yeah, and before we dig in too deep, it's time for the news. The news. Decent amount of news going on this week. And it, kind of all, it kind of all hit at once, yeah, too, in the last couple of days. Starting on May 8th. Mm-mm-mm. This one's definitely a big one for that lightweight division. Diego Fajera going up against Gregor Gillespie. Two guys who came back in 2020. Fajera on the opposite end of a very good fight with Benil Darius, Great fight. While Gregor Gillespie kind of getting a big bounce back. Yeah, he had his fight scrapped with Brad oh, Rydell right. a couple weeks ago. For some but, reason, I thought he won. Yeah, well, it just got scrapped. I forgot now. about that.
1: Look at the fight he's getting instead. I know.
0: I, I complete. For some reason, I was like thinking <laughs> in my head that he had won in 2021. But you're right. That fight was scrapped, and so he still he hasn't had, fought yeah, since the Kevin <laughs> Lee yeah. fight. Oh man, that's interesting. But you know, Diego being the one who's fought this year, fought most recent, coming up on a very tough loss to Dariush. What should we expect from this kind of encounter? I will say I expect a lot of grappling.
1: Yeah, I was going to say this is going to be kind of a grinded-out style. But, again, when we get two high-level grapplers, sometimes you just get an all-out slugfest on the feet. And we've seen Diego <laughs> is not afraid to slug it out. When I mean, if you're fighting on the feet with uh, Benil Dayush, you got some kahunas. And, and, you know, Gregor is still solid on the feet. Don't let the knockout loss to Kevin Lee fool you. That was still... One of the most beautiful combinations that we've ever seen, and especially that Kevin Lee has ever landed in his career. But yeah, we could see a very grapple-heavy style here. Diego, the submission specialist. Gillespie, a guy that will just grind you out. Almost the Habib-type style of pressure in wrestling. So this should be an interesting matchup here.
0: If, and a big implications. To me, on paper, i got to think that Gillespie's going to be the, the aggressor. He's going to be the one... Uh, that's stronger, going to look to put Fahara up against the cage, get those double legs and take him down. Fahara's really going to have to just kind of find his openings on the ground, even if he's on his back, and look for the kind of submissions to escape and maybe switch the position. It's, it's really going to be a chess match, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Probably a fight that not enough people would appreciate. Well, dare but- I
1: say, these are the two most underrated and underappreciated fighters in the lightweight division. You're probably right. And they're fighting each other.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) And I think this could be a fight that really goes under the radar for those reasons. And, you know, it's just... But the way the fight should go, that really interests me. Mm -hmm. If it stays on the feet, though... Yikes. Don't know what's going to happen. Don't know what's going to happen there. But that's happening on May 8th. Moving on. PFL news here. June 10th on ESPN Two, Clarissa Shields is making her MMA debut against Brittany Elkin, the world champion boxer, the baddest woman in boxing right
1: now. Making the transition over, been training at AKA with John Jones, Michelle Watterson, all those fellows over Holm. there, Holly Holm, yeah, and now. Here it is. Really, honestly, wasn't expecting her to debut this fast. They I, just announced they got her so, in 2020 not long ago. Yeah,
0: she, she's only been training. When this fight happens, she'll probably have been training at least to our knowledge for about eight, eight months. Eight months, I was going to say, yeah. And, you know, that's not a lot of time. You know, obviously, she's got the world the of boxing. There, but there's a, there's a lot more. There's going to be a lot of holes yeah. elsewhere. But she's going up against Brittany Elkin, who is not A high-level opponent. Uh, I believe you said she was three and six professionally in MMA. I know we probably weren't. We didn't want to harp on that too much because this is the kind of opponent you should match her up against. Yeah, she does have an elite skill. Yes, but elsewhere she's going to be quite the novice in MMA. So for Brittany Elkin, should theoretically have an advantage in some of those other aspects, and they should be able to test her in some of those. You know that grappling. Um, jiu-jitsu things like that but if the fight stays on the feet i mean yeah we probably have the shields all day probably yeah it'll be interesting to see how uh, she responds with some kicks
1: and some flinch work you know what
0: though espn2 like that's a great showcase Mm -hmm. to kind of this is your big signing put her get her in front of an audience you know yeah exactly because they're gonna and people that are fans of boxing, or even if they're not, a lot of people know Clarissa people Shields. People tune in. Yeah. And you have her on ESPN, too. A lot of people are going to tune in. They're going to see that PFL is the one that has mm-hmm. her. It's going to bring a lot of fans over, I would think. Yeah.
1: Also, I just want to apologize quickly. I misspoke. She trains at Jackson Wink in Albuquerque, New Mexico, not AKA. Oh. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of camps out there. Yeah, there's there. a lot of camps. Either, either way, she's at a great camp, so I'm very excited to see how much she's progressed with all those studs out there, and how she's going to respond under the bright lights in MMA. So, shout out to Shields. Let's get into
0: it. Cool. June 11th, Ooh. Bellator 260, Douglas Lima. One of the best Bellator fighters in the world of all time. What a legacy that guy's left. Mm -hmm. Currently, still their welterweight champion, even though he did try to go up for champ champ. Lost in his effort there. He's back, though, looking to make another defense of that welterweight title. But oh my. Oh my. Yaroslav Amosov. This man, I hope I said his name right, but this man is terrifying. Twenty-five wins,
1: zero losses. What are some of the other credentials you mentioned to me? Now, pretty solid <laughs> three fighter. Three-time,
0: ta- three-time world champion in Sambo. The man's, tr- the man's trained out of a ATT. He, he's got it. Oh know? yeah, this is a tough test. This is a twenty-seven-year-old from Ukraine. The dude, number one-ranked Bellator welterweight. Like, he—if anybody's gonna beat. Douglas, Douglas Lima. Lima, yeah, in that welterweight division, this is the guy. I'll be interested to see how that plays out uh, stylistically too. Well, you know? you got to look at the, fiti- so well the finishing rates for these guys is also really something yeah. that strikes out at me because Douglas Lima, thirty-two and eight, obviously the experience, so many fights, twenty-six wins via finish, crazy. While for Yaroslav. He's 25-0, 19 wins via finish. Wow. And his is very even, 9 by knockout, 10 by submission. This is a Sambo world champion. Bro.
1: Yeah, man, that is such an incredible fight from Bellator to make. I- I'm very excited and intrigued to see how that plays out. Again, Bellator making huge moves in 2021. This is a very fun title fight. I can't wait to see that in June. Yeah,
0: he's 6-0 and in Bellator also, so... You know the guys; he's beaten guys like Eric Silva that stick out to me. Uh, last fight, a split decision went over Logan Storley. Um Maybe his his record might be a little inflated just by the fact that mm-hmm. he's pretty much before Bellator only fought into Ukraine and Russia. Right? Not that that's not a good market, but it's just a very niche. It's always part. a step up. Yeah, you know, you know, he doesn't have; like, he hasn't been fighting all around the world mm-hmm. until he came to Bellator. And um, yeah, he's scary though. This should be a lot of fun, I would like to think. And it's going to be, you know, this is Douglas Lima, a man who's got wins over Rory McDonald and Michael Venom Page. This yet is probably going to be the toughest test for him at welterweight in his career. At least as a title defense, you know? I mean, sure, he's like, he lost the belt to Rory McDonald at one point. You know, this is not, you know, this is a guy who's multiple time champion. But it, it seems like you know he got the Rory loss off his back with the win back in October 2019. Last time we saw him was October 2020 with that loss to Gegard Mousasi. In a, a lackluster fight. A fight he just part. had nothing. Yeah. Mousasi was just too
1: big. Yeah, I think the size did play a factor. So it'll be fun to see Lima back down in his natural weight class as well. Looking to defend his title again. By the way, for MMA as a whole, look at that weekend. June 10th. Claressa's debut. June 11th we got Lima at Bellator 260 and then June 12th is freaking Davis Figueredo and Brandon Moreno 2 on Saturday. I didn't even think about that. That's a weekend right there.
0: Yeah, very much looking forward to this one though. And we got a GOAT to talk about next. Yes we do. August 7th, UFC 265. Amanda Nunes is back to her old ways. This time going to be defending that women's Phantom weight title yes, against Juliana Pena. Juliana called her shot. She's <laughs> she, getting it. She, I respect oh, it. Oh, that call
1: out was something. <laughs> yeah. Man, and she's had the interview she's had with Ariel Helwani. she is so confident. You know, you gotta be confident though going into a fight against Amanda. If you're going in to a fight with Nunez with the mindset of, oh, well, I made it to the title shot and that's good enough. You're already defeated. At least she's going in confident, feels she has the skill set to cause problems. I respect it. But I know, she's do done too. pissed off. The I
0: I definitely respect that she's at least gotten some hype around. Mm-hmm. This, you know this fight. We have to understand though that we started this podcast about eight months ago. In that time, we have seen. Juliana Pena lose via submission to Jermaine Durandemy. First time Jermaine Durandemy ever won via submission. Pena's not perfect. You know, she 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 did have a bounce back win, but that's all we've seen from her. And it was a fight she was losing for two rounds. Two and a half rounds. So does it, you know, once you really look at it, I'm I'm hesitant to really give her too much of a chance, but it's a yeah. fresh face, it's fresh matchup, and yeah. Amanda wants to stay active. This is the kind of fight she's going to take, and someone who's really talking to talk. It's going to bring out the
1: best yes. in and Amanda, Amanda, which is terrifying. I mean, because... think
0: about her previous fight, yeah, with Megan Anderson. Megan, not someone who talked a lot of smack, but yet Amanda came in two minutes later, walking out with the belt. She the got baby. She got hit twice. Yeah.
1: Was two it times. even twice? T- technically, two punches landed, but I, I, I oh, didn't even see him. Landed. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just. If that tells and you, that anything, was a woman who has has like legit one shot knockout yeah. power. So, Amanda's just on another level. But hey, we've seen miracles and underdog upsets
0: happen before. This is an overused comparison, but she's Tyson-esque. Yeah, at this point. At this point, you're tuning in to just see how long the opponents can last.
1: I mean, she's really approaching the Demetrius Johnson title defense yeah. numbers, Anderson Silva, John Jones. Like, she's going to keep grinding. This doing will be like her eighth or ninth. Di- two different divisions. Two divisions, yeah. doing stuff we've never seen before. She's a goat for a reason. Nevertheless, no matter how that fight plays
0: out, I'm excited for it. The following month, UFC 266, September Three. 4th. September? I'm like, we're already talking about September. Can we just can we get through April? Yeah. Like, this is is a long time away. I know, and this fight is
1: awesome. It is.
0: The UFC light heavyweight belt is on the line. Jan Blahovich is back. This time going to be defending against Glover to share the rightful number one contender. The winner can solidify themselves
1: as having the best career resurgence in UFC history. A lot on the line here for these two guys, huh? You really think... The battle of the old men, you know, Jan Blahovic, 38. Glover's going to be like 42, 43 coming into this fight. I absolutely love everything about this storyline here. Two guys that never gave up, especially for Jan, now a champion, was once going on the brink of getting cut, now is on an absolute tear, finishing everybody, beating Israel Adesanya. Glover has fought for the title in the past, got dominated, had his ups and downs, but now he's on an absolute tear, finishing guys as well. Absolutely love everything about this fight. I wish we didn't have to wait until September to see it. But I am just glad to see Glover get that one final shot at the coveted UFC belt. And stylistically, it's a pretty fun fight.
0: I completely agree with you. Um, These are the two guys you're right when you're talking about career resurgence. Because these are the two guys that I always joke about as the guys that I counted out every step of the way. And now you got to pick one of these and two I, now. I, I gotta get the and I gotta get the monkey off my You're back. You're damned here, if right? you do, damned if you don't in this one. Yeah, so it's um, you can just pick a draw. The, these guys have definitely been a bit of a vein of my existence for a while. And I think
1: someone's gonna get finished in that fight too. I know we're so I, far away. I mean, yeah, but...
0: it's it's tough to it's tough to call, man. It's it's Jan just seems to look better and better each he fight. Really his, does. his last fight with Adesanya, a fight most people really thought he. Didn't give him much of a chance in, including my fucking self again. And in Glover's last fight against your boy, Tiago. Tiago Santos got injured
1: him... twice bad in that fight, fought through it, and then finishes Tiago. Then,
0: same with Anthony Smith before Shoot. that with Glover. Man. Anthony Smith, that was one of the first fights in this kind of COVID timeline. Yeah. That dude, terminator. Smith comes out, beat the shit out, the out shit of out Glover for about a round and a half. Gases. Him. Glover just. Oh, Glover put it on. Tortures him for about three rounds. Knocked his teeth out and everything. Yeah, Jason Herzog, man. That was bad. <laughs> that's a tough scene. But I'm just. I'm excited to see these two guys getting this kind of shine. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Do I know if the fight's going to be great? No. Do I know who's going to win? No. no. But. And, like, do either of these guys. Realistically, do I see them being like champions for multiple more years? In Glover's case, definitely not. I definitely feel like Glover has like a year left at most. Mm. Jan just, that guy I just know. looks crazy. He they're they're he looks, aging
1: like fine wine.
0: Yeah, yeah, Glover. I mean, Glover doesn't even look that great. Yeah, he just he just somehow keeps winning. Jan does look like a stud. Don't get me wrong. True, but it's just. What anomalies these guys are, you know, Robbie Lawler, it's one of my spe- personal yeah. favorite fighters, and this is so familiar mm-hmm. to Robbie Lawler's return to the UFC. I love it, man.
1: That's such a feel good story of a title fight.
0: Yeah, but we've we've pushed it off long enough. Um, the biggest news coming out of this week. It's official. As for the rest, well, I'm not. It's not even about it being official. We're talking about the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. First and
1: foremost, let's just get the, the quick details <laughs> done. Oh, God. We already talked about it, but it's happening July 10th. UFC 264 confirmed now in Las Vegas. Full capacity crowd, T-Mobile Arena. The first time fans are returning to Vegas. Okay, that's out of the way. Okay.
0: Um, I'm a little more excited now. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you do you want me to explain it? or? It just seems to me like the... Uh... We
1: got some, some Mystic Mac action coming back into play. Some old Do you want Conor me McGregor. to explain what's I've
0: going on? Go on. Yeah. Okay. Because you were... Eh. But now you're... Yeah, oh. I was... Well... Yeah, I was very eh on this fight a week ago. Say less now. And then now I'm like, okay, you have me a you're little bit. You're tickling my fancy. You got me a little bit. So... Essentially, where do I even begin? Well,
1: at? and a lot of this is he 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 said, he said right now. Who
0: started the exchange? Dustin
1: started. It. Well, technically, Connor did by predicting a finish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, what did he He, he said, said a, a fourth round front <laughs> kick to the face knockout and did okay. a video of how he was going to do it. Okay. And then Dustin responded.
0: Dustin, responds. Dustin yeah. responded, said, cool prediction, cool man. Cool prediction. Kind of like you predicted your donation, just, you <laughs> predicted a $500,000 donation to my foundation, and yet after the fight, we your reached team, out and we team, haven't heard from Your you. team went silent. And I went, Oh, and the world just kind of paused and waited for Connor's response <laughs> because it happened in like the <laughs> evening time yeah. in the U.S. So Connor's asleep
1: yeah. in Ireland. Why this is happening? You know.
0: So Connor's response, uh, yeah, it it's the Connor of old. It it was um, you I don't... inbred hillbilly <laughs> looking ass. Well, first, like first, it wasn't even that. It was uh, look, I gotta find some of these. Yeah, his his first response was kind of like he knows where every dollar goes. Yeah, he's very hands-on. so basically, he kind of worded it to where it sounded like. He tried to make it sound like Dustin's people weren't really telling him maybe where the money was going to go. Yeah. And therefore... That's what I'm saying, kind of like where the he said, he said yeah. start,
1: like, I don't know.
0: But then Connor would go on to... <laughs> yeah, so Connor
1: said, it's a donation, not a debt. We've been awaiting the plans, yada, yada, yada. Um. Then Dustin responded, yeah, it's not a debt you offered, we accepted. Then he says again how his team does their due diligence and also there was the M. Red Hillbilly tweet as well. And then he said some crazy shit to uh, Ariel like Connor's back and I'm going to rip the asses of everyone in the division or I don't know. It just seems like Connor that we... Connor just seems really
0: mad right now. Yeah,
1: I I don't know. And then he posted a very cool uh, new profile pic of him looking like a kindergartner waiting for the bus. It was just so funny because he randomly <laughs> snuck it in there, yeah. and then a day after he said the fight was off and he's going to look for another opponent, it gets. a I'm glad that
0: we didn't talk about this until because I think we both kind of knew that Connor just kind of plays these games. But did did you really expect this fight to be off even when he was kind of saying it was? No, no. I I, like, I really thought like okay, I it, think he was it's just, just him blowing off it, smoke, and it's
1: and it's. it's uh, Look at the hype around this fight now. There was already so much hype around yes. to begin with. The quote, by the way, he told Ariel, I signed my bout agreement this morning. I'm going to rip this game a new asshole July 10th. <laughs> the MAC is back in Sin City, full house. That's a quote. Yep, there it is.
0: Hmm. Listen,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> again, we said how it's kind of a weird trilogy because the first fight happened seven years ago by the time this... Happens, and then the the second one happened in January of this year. Now this one's going to happen in July. It feels more like like a rematch rather than a trilogy, but they are one apiece. Again, if you weren't excited for this already, now there's just even more intrigue to it because what are we going to see come fight week and the lead up leading in is are they going to tone it back down to the respectful stuff? Is Connor going to go buck wild? Like I don't know. It's going to be very interesting in the fight itself. Again, they both finished each other the first two fights. Would love a five-round war to finish the trilogy, man. Just like Stepe and DC, so.
0: I agree. And, you know, again, I'm not someone who necessarily only gets interested in fights when there's, like, shit-talking going on. But... I will say in this instance it, it definitely helped matters because this this, this little, it's just Connor, something man. about this trilogy just hasn't really and like you mentioned it yeah. has part of it's gotta do with the time gap. But it is it does at least interest <laughs> me when you start seeing these guys and people have been saying that like this is all manufactured for fight promotion. But I'm uh, sorry. If these guys wanted to build the fight there would be easier ways to do it than the, the donation and the. Charity I mean, this really makes Connor look bad. Oh, he was pissed. It may, like it's he an was embar- it's embarrassing. Yeah, and not only that, but his way to try to come back is to kind of question the legitimacy the found, yeah, of the exactly. foundation. It's just, so, yeah, it's you know, it doesn't make anybody look good. That's, that's so. Very true. That's why, like, I have a hard time believing that this is fight promotion. Also,
1: since Dustin has pulled back <clears throat> on that statement a little bit, at least apologizing for taking it public, yeah. which leads me to believe there was way more stuff going on in the back end that we just didn't see. So, I have no doubt that the money is actually yeah, going to make Dustin. It didn't
0: make Dustin look good either. Yeah, to they both the look bad in it. But. Um, yeah, there's. it's definitely probably better to just kind of move on from it, yeah. but... It, it, it will at least make fight week very interesting when these two get face-to-face. You're no longer meh, right? Is that I'm, fair? I'm slightly above meh. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Let's get into some <laughs> yeah, fights. Yeah, let's man. get into some fights, man. So, again, headline, big fight at middleweight, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum. But we got four other fights to talk to you about. Yes, yes. So starting with our opener of the main card at lightweight. Luis Pena, violent Bob Ross is back. Oh, that's showing Going true. up against Alexander Munoz. I forgot that was his nickname. Taken away. That's
1: a badass nickname, too. <laughs> There's really been a is. lot of them lately. Yes, yeah, so this is an interesting lightweight bout. Luis Pena, the guy, by the way, is like 6'3. He's like one of the tallest lightweights, if not the tallest. Coming in here, he's eight wins, three losses, four and three in the UFC. He's got two KOTKOs, four submissions. Two of those finishes have come in the first round. Notable win against Steve Garcia via decision. Some notable losses to Matt Frivola via split decision. And a submission loss to Kama Worthy. On the other end, Alexander Munoz is 6-1. 0-1 in the UFC, but he did win his fight on the Contender Series to earn that contract. He's got two KO-TKOs and one submission. All three of those finishes have came in the first round. His win on the Contender Series was to Nick Knoll, the fighter that uh, has like one arm. Yeah, one arm. That was via decision. I think that was in 2018 when that happened. And then his only career loss was to Nazrat Right. Nice. So, this okay.
0: be... Kelvin Gastelum. Right, they are twins. And that was his UFC
1: <laughs> debut. So, he's coming off a loss here uh, in this fight with Luis Peña. This is an interesting fight, but a very good matchup on both these guys' career wise. Mm-hmm. So, how do you think this plays out? And the height of Luis Pena is always so intriguing to me, yeah. being a lightweight.
0: Agreed, Luis Pena six three, fighting in the lightweight division. Yeah, he's a tall he's a tall mug for that for that division, and his strengths tend to lie when the fight goes to the ground. Yeah, so he uses those long limbs to catch your arm or your head in a choke. Uh, very good at doing that. You got Alex Munoz, who's very much kind of the unknown here. Not a whole lot of UFC experience has is yet to win in the UFC if you don't count the contender series. And this is a
1: tough fight to come into after a loss, too. You yeah, know, it really
0: is. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know a ton about Munoz's style here, but I, I really think. I really do like Luis Pena. I the think way he, he fights is so... I just think that he's such a tough matchup for yeah, pretty much...
1: a lot of people. Yeah,
0: I mean, Munoz is 5'9".
1: I mean, he's going to have a 6-inch height advantage. And the reach, obviously, is going to be significant as so well. So even
0: if Munoz has an advantage on the feet, Good luck it's not going to be a reach the, advantage. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, with all that being said, those intangibles, I'm going to have to go with Luis Pena. He can tie up into the clinch with his
1: length and get you to the ground so easy with that. You know, and,
0: you know I think he's kind of due. He, he's coming off a loss to Kama Worthy. I think uh, I think he's due for a finish here. Ooh. I'm actually going to go Luis Pena via... I'll go first round submission.
1: Nice. First submission, first round. I think this is going to be a very interesting fight, but I am leaning toward Luis Pena as well. I think it's going to be... <clears throat> A tougher fight for him to get a finish. I think a guy like Munoz, however unproven in the UFC, still a tough guy with a 6-1 record. I think Pena gets it done with a decision, victory. I oh, think yeah. he grinds it out. I think he really showcases his skill set everywhere, especially on the ground, and that'll be where he finds his uh, biggest advantages. I-, I like that fight opening the card. I'm going Pena decision.
0: This next one shouldn't take long. Holy moly. Middleweight. Abdul Razak Al Hassan and Jacob Malkoon. So I love talking about Abdul, <laughs> Al Hassan yeah, man. Yeah. He's
1: ten wins, three losses, four and three in the UFC. Ten KOTKOs. That's a one hundred percent finish rate. Ring you know the up? bells. Ring the bells, and you know what? Let's sound the alarm next because all ten of the finishes first round. Bells, bells, <laughs> whistles, alarms, whatever you want, sound them. <laughs> Notable win against Nico Price via KO. Notable losses. Omari Akmedov via split decision. Munir Lazez via decision. And got KO'd. Oh, that fight against Chaos Williams. You knew Nasty. someone was getting KO'd. Nasty. But Abdul came up on the short end of that one. And then for Jacob Malkoon, only 4-1 and in his UFC debut. He lost. So he's 0-1 in the UFC. He has two KO TKOs. And again, that loss was to Phil Hall. So that's a tough debut. He but did dude, lose it via oh KO. Oh
0: absolutely.
1: Absolutely vicious. Um, I will say <laughs> Mal Kuhn is kind of the protege of Robert Whittaker. They trained together. So I had a, I picked him, I think, to beat Phil Hall, if I'm not mistaken. That was at UFC 254 on the prelims.
0: And I'm going with him again. It was on the main card actually. It was on main yeah. card, okay?
1: I that might have started the main card, I think. Was no, it? No, it was like the third fight. Okay. I'm going Malcun. I'm picking him again. I was big on him in his debut. Obviously, he got brutally KO'd, but you know, he's going to bounce back here. I think it's going to be a tough fight. <coughs> Al Hassan has got the one punch power and he's going to want to avoid it cuz he can put yeah. you to sleep. I think he actually grinds it out. I don't think this is going to be a finish. I think he's going to go three rounds here. Al Hassan has came up on the short end of two decisions out of his three losses. I think it's going to be another short uh, end decision for Al Hassan, going Jacob Malkoon via decision in a very fun fight, but I think he just outpoints him, to be honest. So here's
0: where I'm going to differ from you. Obviously, I'm going to go the other way. So I'm going to go with Al Hassan. (laughs) But where where we're going to differ very much is... You're right. Two of his three losses, Al Hassan, that is, are via decision. But those were both to guys who could take that power oh, yeah. punch. Oh, yeah. Even that Munir lazez fight. That fight, was awesome. That fight was crazy. I mean, the, the, the punches Lazez was taking. That was the was fight taking, of the night on that card. Yeah. Lazez was taking some, a beating in the first round, especially, and came back. And Akhmadov, that man's head is just. <laughs> the, nothing, just nothing yeah. beats that. I man. feel, I feel like this fight to me is going to be similar to the S fight. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. This is Abdul, or I should say, Al Hassan's debut at middleweight. Yeah, a good point. He missed, point. I'm glad you he pointed missed that weight. Out. His last two fights, moving up to middleweight. So you know he was probably he's gut, dude, he was probably man. gutting himself to get to 170. He's he's rather short to be a middleweight, but he is thick. He is. Phil Halls is very much built the same way. Mm-hmm. Not a very tall man, but... Strong but, and powerful. And I think Malcoon, you know, I get it. He's the protege. There's a lot of excitement around him. Man, I haven't seen it. I'm just going to be honest. I just haven't seen it. And These you know, are he's, two tough fights yeah, to come no, to the I UFC agree. with. I agree. And just because he loses, if he was to lose this fight, doesn't mean I don't think this guy is a I don't think he's yeah. a scrub or... But these are really tough fights for yeah. him to be. St- he's only four and one yeah. in his professional career, and you, he makes his UFC debut against Phil Halls on the main card in Abu Dhabi. You have to do the main card and got absolutely destroyed in eighteen seconds. I don't know if I'm him. If I'm going to have the most confidence coming in here. So I'm really going to go with Al-Hassan, round one, KOTK. Oh, it's starting the night with two round yeah, one finishes. I know, I know. I love it. I love it. That it's, fight
1: has potential to be a barn burner, but also just a quick knockout yeah. for both guys. You know,
0: Malcoon could really come in here and make a statement, show like, no, I do belong. I'm here. And Al-Hassan has, you know, the Chaos Williams fight showed that maybe his chin's not as strong as you think. And that punch, man. But I'm, I'm... definitely leaning towards... Going up a weight class, not gutting yourself to make weight. Yeah. Hopefully some of that's going to resolve itself.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to see him at that new fresh weight class. I'm glad you pointed that out. Can't wait for that one.
0: Now we're going up to some big boys. Your, your boy. My boy. Andre Arlovski. He took this
1: fight, by the way, on like two weeks' notice, too. Yeah, he did. So what a badass. Because he's a
0: bad man. This is going to be his 53rd professional fight. He's going up against Chase Sherman. Who's in his second run in the UFC.
1: Yeah. And I've got quite a resume here for Arlovsky. This son of a <laughs> bitch. the red carpet. He's been on this podcast three times now. Yeah. He's got to be one of the first, if not the first, to be on here three times. Uh, I'm
0: sure Kevin Holland's or Probably one. Kevin Holland,
1: yeah. <laughs> Andre Arlovsky, 30 wins, 20 losses, two no contests. He's 19-14 and 14 with one no contest in the UFC. 17 KO TKOs, three submissions. 13 out of those 20 finishes have come in the first round. Notable wins. He's been doing it since we were wee lads, Noah. Mm-hmm. Tim Sylvia via submission. Fabricio Verdun via decision. Defeated Ben Rothwell twice. Once via knockout, once via decision. He's KO'd Bigfoot Silva. He TKO'd Travis Brown. Decision win over Frank Meir and Stefan Struve. Decision win over Phil- Philip Lenz. And also a decision win over Tanner Bozer, one of the bigger name prospects in the heavyweight division right now. Notable losses, he's got plenty of those as well. He had the trilogy with Tim Sylvia, so he got the best of him in the first one, but lost the last two, once via TKO and once via decision, in one of the worst title fights in UFC history. Got KO'd (laughs) by Fedor Emelianenko, one of, if not the greatest, MMA heavyweights of all time Mm -hmm. is what they say. Uh, Got a decision loss to Bigfoot Silva, a decision to Anthony Johnson, which is quite impressive because not a lot of people go to the distance with Anthony (laughs) Johnson. Uh, Stipe Miochik TKO'd him. These next five here, by the way, all happen at once. This is a just horrific run for him. I feel bad for Arlovsky. Yeah. Because they just paired him up with killers. Stipe, TKO. Alistair Overeem, TKO. With a crane kick. <laughs> with a crane kick. <laughs> Josh Barnett via submission, Francis Ngannou via TKO, and then Marcin Taibura via decision. At least there was one that wasn't a finish, right? Uh, Taitu Ivasa via decision, Shamil Abdurrahimov via decision. Had a split with Augustus Sakai that Noah likes to say he won. I thought he did. Right. He got KO'd by Jarzinho Rosenstroik and then submitted most recently via two, Tom Aspenau, I should it's- say. Has, in his most recent outing, has
0: there ever been a fighter on this podcast that's gotten more notable losses? <laughs> Probably not. You literally just named it. Like well, it's 15. him and Overeem. That's yeah, yeah. two yeah. absolute legends yeah. of heavyweight mixed like, martial That felt arts. like that went forever. Yeah, he, he's been there and done that
1: with them all. And for Chase, it's the complete opposite. So I can just make up for time yeah. here. He's fifteen and six, three and five in the UFC, as Noah stated. Both of these guys have had two stints, uh, respectively, in the UFC. Chase has 14 KO-TKOs out of his 15 wins, which is quite scary if you ask me, Mm -hmm. Noah. And uh, 12 of those have came in the first round. He does have a notable win against Isaac Hurricane Ike Villanueva. That was via TKO. Notable losses to Walt Harris, Shamil Abderrahimov, and Augusto Sakai. All three of those via KO-TKO. I'm going to let you take it here as I get a drink because I'm a little (laughs) long-winded.
0: Yeah, I, this is, it, to me, this fight is very easy to kind of pick a path to victory for each guy. Chase Sherman's the younger, the bigger, the more explosive and powerful fighter. He's going to be looking to land that shot. Arlovsky's chin, time and time again, <laughs> has failed him. So that is always going to be, at this point, at his age, in his 40s, that's going to be Chase Sherman's route to victory. He has that power. He's proven it in the fact that. You said 14 of his 15 wins. Knockout. That's a very scary thing for Arlovsky. So what's he got to do? He's got to stay on the outside. Mm -hmm. He's got to pick his shots. If he has to get in close, clinch up, put Sherman up against the cage, grind him towards the later rounds, take him to those deep waters, that's going to be his route to victory here and kind of get a decision victory. Arlovsky, whether you like him or not, whether you think he should still be fighting in the UFC or not, this is why he's still here, because he takes these prospects and he, t- and, you know, he turns them away. He's most a guy of the time. who, when he was heavyweight champion, had the most powerful right hand in the business. But he he's not terrible. that fighter anymore. No. Shoulder surgeries, age, but he's grown but, with the time so much. But he too, he has you know? evolved yeah. into a this fighter that really is very patient. He's not the most powerful fighter in the world anymore. He's not a guy. Really in the heavyweight division, he's not the kind of guy to knock you out. He's really became yeah. a decision focused fighter. And before that lost to Aspinall, he was on a two fight win yeah. streak. He's focused so. on getting winning the fight for fifteen minutes. Yeah. He doesn't need to beat you with one punch. He just needs to make it last as long. And he
1: showed that with Aspinall. even. He had a couple moments in that fight where he looked good. I
0: agree. I agree he did. Aspinall though showed that he passed the test and that he's ready for that next step. I am not as confident in Chase Sherman to pass that test. Aspinall definitely has that one punch power too and he wasn't even able to quite put out Arlovsky. Yeah, I know he submitted him second round. Who knows how that fight would have went if it continued. I'm going Andre Arlovsky. It's a risky pick. It always is with Andre, but right when you kind of count him out is when he'll bounce back and get a big win. I'm just not super high on Chase Sherman. I know he's got the power, and that's a bit a good bet to make. But when you look at the wins and losses that Arlovsky's traded, the guys he's lost to have usually gone on to big heights. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe Chase Sherman has that one of those ceiling. guys. So I'm yeah. going Arlovsky via decision.
1: Well, no, you're really going to love this. Andre Arlovsky, he's going to turn back the clock a little bit. Oh, you think so? I think he's going to look nice and crisp, coming in on short notice. Listen, he hasn't had a finish since he beat Travis Brown. Wait, really? Yes. But you know <laughs> That's what? crazy. Chase Sherman likes to get hit, yeah. and he likes to get KO'd. Mm-hmm. Andre Arlovsky's turning back the clock at UFC Vegas 24. He's coming in. He's going to look good. He's going to look sharp. The veteran expertise is going to show with a second round KO, TKO for the pit bull.
0: Pull out the fangs, okay. baby. <laughs> I was waiting for the like catch in there. No catch. Because you have been giving me shit all week about me picking a lobster. I just
1: like giving you shit about your boy. That's yeah. But I sent this to Noah on Twitter when the fight got announced I said, no, tell him to stop. (coughs) Tell him to stop taking these short notice fights against these young hungry lions. Yeah. But you know what?
0: To me that's probably the reason that he's still around. He wants to prove points I think.
1: Yeah. I'm still a badass. He's gonna show you know what? Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I for... thought you'd like that. <laughs> I,
0: I, I I, was really holding off on getting excited about it because <laughs> you kept going. I'm like, this is going to be a catch. <laughs> like, like you did last week. <laughs> like exactly what I did last week with Julian Marquez yeah, and yeah. Sam Alvey. But you didn't do that. Nope. So I appreciate that. Yeah, there we go. But we're on to the co-main event. A
1: banger of a co-main. <sighs> Another guy with a hell of a resume i got to talk I'm about. I'm so
0: tempted to make this fight of the night. I I'm going to hold off for now. Yeah. Lightweight fight, Jeremy Stevens, Drocker close. I mean, all right. Let there be blood. Oh, there's gonna be blood. <laughs> Jeremy Stevens is 28
1: and 18 with one no contest. 15 and 17 in the UFC with one no contest. 19 KO, TKOs, two submissions. That's 21 out of 28 via finish. 13 of those have came in the first round. Similar to Arlovsky here, an absolute veteran of the UFC in the fight game. Notable wins, a KO over Rafael Dos Anjos. Decision over Darren Elkins. A TKO over Dennis Bermudez. Decisions over Henan Burrell and Gilbert Melendez. TKO'd Duho Choi. KO'd Josh Emmett. But notable losses. There's a record that Jeremy Steven holds. <laughs> and it's the record of most losses in UFC history. And
0: I, I know a lot of people are going to say that. But the, the resume, gun. that this guy has fought
1: nothing but killers and, for like 15 and years. And they've all been fantastic fights. And here's the list. Dean Thomas, the legend himself via <laughs> submission, lost to Spencer Fisher via decision, got submitted by Joe Lozon, a decision loss to uh, Gleis and Tebow, a split decision to Melvin Gallard. A split decision with Anthony Pettis. A decision with Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Got KO'd by Yves Edwards. A decision to Cub Swanson. A decision to Oliveira. A decision to Max Holloway. A split decision with Hanato Moicano. TKO'd brutally with a body shot by Jose Aldo. Lost the decision to Zabit and Yair Rodriguez. And most recently got KO'd by Calvin Cater. Straight killers, man. This guy has fought nothing but the best... For years, he's coming into this fight five fights in a row without a win. Two yeah. losses, a no contest squeezed in between, and then two more losses. Yeah. For Dracar Close, complete opposite in, t- in terms <coughs> of the resume and experience here. 11-2-1. He's 5-2 in the UFC. Four KO-TKOs. Two of those came in the first round. Notable wins against Mark. I always mispronounce this last name, but I'm going to try it anyway and butcher it. Mark Diox. It's Mark Jacacy. Jacacy, thank you. You're always good on that name. Thank you. That was a split decision, win. He got a decision over Lando Venata and Bobby Green. Notable losses to David Tamor via decision and got KO'd by Benil Dayush. But, man, is it just, has the clock began to run out for Jeremy Stevens? Well, I'll put it like this.
0: You know, you look at the And he's coming back up to lightweight now. Yeah. So, you look at his record in the UFC. You see the record for the most losses. Yeah, of course that's going to make you go, "Oh, maybe he's maybe it's time to hang him up," things, but I want people to look at this fight for what it is. Jeremy Stevens has not fought someone lower than like a 5 ranking in 3 years. Yeah, it's crazy. This, this guy now he's going up against Drocker close, who is not ranked at all. There this is that step back that he needs, but if he doesn't win here, it's probably the end of the road. Yeah. So what are we gonna see here? Well, I think it's gonna be a banger for as long as it lasts. I think this fight's gonna be really good. Yeah, Drocker close, close very good, man. Look, only four wins via finish and Eleven, but the guy always is in these really, really exciting, yeah. drawn-out three-round wars. That fight with Badil Dariush, his last fight where he got KO'd in the second round, that fight was nuts. If that fight didn't happen ten minutes before Yoana versus Wei <laughs> Lee, I think more people would recognize how awesome that fight is. But unfortunately, it was placed right before right. the best women's fight of all time. And then for Jeremy Stevens, like we've already mentioned, the man doesn't know how to be in a less Boring than, fight, man. Yeah, well, it's, that's been his M.O. since he joined the UFC and even before the UFC. That, that's got to
1: be one of the most deadly resumes I've ever seen in UFC history. Yeah. It might be the most. I mean, even his wins, like that's just insane, man. And even
0: in these, this losing streak that Jeremy Stevens has been on, you look at the Zabit fight, he was very competitive in that. Mm-hmm. The Yair Rodriguez fight, very competitive. Calvin Cater fight, had his moments early on, did get finished. That elbow was massive. Elbows. <laughs> but that's Calvin Cater. He but, just fought back again, all the way. These are top five yeah. contenders. Drucker Close, not there yet. I'm going with Jeremy Stevens. Ooh, really? I think he's got just enough left to take on someone like a Drucker Close, that borderline top 15 level guy. I'm actually going to go with a second round KOTKO oh, for Jeremy Stevens.
1: I could definitely see it, but I'm leaning toward Drakkar Close here. I think this guy has a lot <coughs> of potential, a lot of upside, a high ceiling, very athletic. He's fought at featherweight as well, but seems to just feel more comfortable at lightweight, and I think he's going to get the job done here. Stevens has just been through the ringer, man. You can only take this punishment for so long in this game. So I'm going to car Close. Kotko round three. Okay. I think we're going to have a really good fight, close to fight of the night, but we got a hell of a main event to talk about. But uh, I, I just, like you said, if, if Steven loses here, it, it might just be the end of the line. If he wins, shit, the guy's probably going to just keep fighting, man, and keep fighting killers, because yeah. he's probably going to fight a ranked guy just because of his name value at this <laughs> point. Yeah. So uh, it should be a fun one, but, uh, yeah, I'm going close in on that one. Okay. The young up-and-comer. <clears throat> I picked the vet in the fight before. I'm going the young guy in this one. <laughs> you, have to, you have to give the young yeah, guys their yeah. win back.
0: Main event time. Man. Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum. I think it's our it's our second time talking about Whitaker. And, and Kelvin. Yes. Yeah, okay. Man. Kelvin's
1: coming in short notice here. Just fought Ian Heinish. Um, and I just wanted to say again, as and we've said this multiple times, I think this fight is better stylistically and more fun fan-friendly and fun and more competitive than the original booking of Whitaker-Costa. I really do, and we're going to tell you why. So Robert Whitaker, the former middleweight king, 22 wins, 5 losses, 13-3 and three in the UFC. He's got 9 ko TKOs, 5 submissions, 5 of those finishes have came in the first round, with wins against Brad Tavares via KO, decision over Uriah Hall, TKO over Derek Brunson, TKO over Jacare Souza. Uh, beat Yoel Romero twice, once via unanimous decision, once via split decision. Both of those fights absolutely insane. A decision win over Darren Till, and he looked incredible in his most recent fight with Jared Cannonier at UFC 254. Notable losses: Court McGee via split decision way back before he became a middleweight. Uh, got TKO'd by Wonderboy as well. Also at welterweight, and his only loss. At middleweight to the current middleweight champion Israel Adesanya via KO in front of the largest audience in UFC history in Australia. On the other end, Kelvin Gastelum, 16 wins, 6 losses, 1 no contest, 11 and 6 with a no contest in the UFC. 6 KO TKOs, 4 submissions, 5 of those have came in the first round with notable wins. Against Uriah Hall via split decision, Rick Story via split decision, got submitted by Jake Ellenberger. TKO'd by Nate Marquardt, uh, lost a decision to Johnny Hendricks, or I'm sorry, won a decision over Johnny Hendricks, TKO'd Tim Kennedy, KO'd Bisbing brutally at that show over there in China, split decision over Jacare Souza, and then the decision win most recently over Ian Heinish Before that, was on that three-fight skid, the first one being to Israel Adesanya in an absolute battle, the fight of the year for 2019 then he loses to Darren Till in what was Till's debut at middleweight—a back-and-forth technical chess match—and then another loss to Jack Hermanson via heel hook. So, he again—he's coming off that bounce-back win to Ian Heinish. but this is a big step. Yeah. Big step. Robert Whitaker, yeah. especially Whitaker 2.0, is looking mighty fine right now, mighty dangerous. How do you see this going, Noah?
0: I don't think it's as—I uh, don't think it's so simple. You know, it's. Styles make fights, right? Yeah. You see Whitaker, he has made improvements in his game, no doubt, since he lost the belt to Adesanya. But he's going up against the guy who took Adesanya to the brink. Mm-hmm. To the absolute limit. So much so that
1: Izzy had to say he was willing to die in that cage in the fifth round.
0: And I, you know what? I think he was pretty close <laughs> to doing it. I think he was pretty close to dying in that cage that night. And that means something. That's always why when I see Kelvin like on this three-fight skit, I'm always like, where's that guy? Yeah, Where's the guy who took Stylebender to the brink before Blahovich was the closest to really beating him yeah. in his career? He looked really good against
1: any And again, I said at the beginning, I'm going to say it again now, we saw the grappling from Kelvin that we haven't yeah. seen in years at that
0: well, amount. I always said I thought that's why... He was able to get in close without a sign. I think the threat of the takedown
1: was at least in his mind. Was
0: in his mind. I just don't think that Kelvin held up in that regard against Darren Till. Darren Till, amazing takedown defense. I don't think he had a care in the world about Kelvin's takedowns, and that's why you saw the fight play out the way it did. Kelvin very sloppy in his takedowns in that fight. Then you look at the Jack Romanson fight, where he's kind of being a bit lackadaisical, it was just weird, weird. Got. Hermanson had a submission, Kelvin got out, and then put himself right back into the (laughs) submission. It was just... It looked like mentally he was just checked out. But Heinrich's fight looked good. Whitaker, however, has looked great since he lost to... I mean, just bouncing back from where Mm -hmm. he left off after losing the belt. You saw that fight with Darren Till. You looked at the fight with Jared Cannonier. Yeah, man, he looked good. Even Cannonier who kind of hurt him late, Whitaker was still just on fire. He's there. a dog, man, and that's that's really gonna be this fight, I think. Dog versus dog. This is fight of the night. <laughs> I think it's fight of the night. I think it's gonna be a five round war. I think Kelvin's gonna show a lot of people, prove a lot of people wrong. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are looking at this fight as a bit of a squash. Um, I think Whitaker's gonna be taken to the brink here, but I still think he gets it done. I'm going Robert Whitaker via decision
1: I'm the exact same boat uh I think Whitaker gets this done via decision over the course of five rounds this is going to be such a fun fight Whitaker the guy that's real quick athletic bounces on the feet in and out really fast Kelvin the guy that really has the power and it can kind of just come out of nowhere but he's still patient enough and you know Whitaker only gets hit so often but he has shown his weaknesses when he gets hit I mean obviously he got KO'd uh, by Izzy, but he got knocked down in the till fight, injured, a little wobbly in the cannoneer fight. So that's three fights in a row. The chin's at least been tested. Kelvin's going to test it again here, but Whitaker's going to stay composed, get the job done with that. Just uh, his striking is just so hard to describe, but so accurate and quick, and comes at you from all kinds of angles. And the combinations that he can match up with his kicks that come out of nowhere. Such a special athlete. Both of these guys still under the age of 30, which is mind-boggling to me when you look at their resumes and all that they've accomplished. And they both have so much more to accomplish in this game. But at UFC Vegas 24, Whitaker comes out on top, makes it three fights in a row, and at least you would think can't be denied any longer. But we'll discuss that on Monday. Yeah,
0: agreed. That's it for our preview for hashtag UFC Vegas 24 It should be really fun. Do you have the start times for... Uh...
1: 7 p.m. East Coast, <clears throat> East Standard Time on ESPN, yep. the network. For the prelims, main card starts at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard
0: Time on ESPN, ESPN. the network. And ESPN Plus, if you yep. want to watch it. But. So yeah, check out those fights on Saturday. Monday, we will be recapping all the action we just talked about along with some notables from the prelims. Mm-hmm. Wednesday going to be a little bit extra special. Oh yeah. We're taking we're taking a trip.
1: This is fun. We're <laughs> taking a lot of trips. Yeah, we're a lot of, uh, um, <laughs> really we're just we're
0: going to take a look back on all of the three title fight cards that the UFC has had in their in history. There's seven of them,
1: soon to be eight.
0: And we're just going to Look at those events as they were. Did they live up to the hype? Did they not? What happened to the people in those title fights? All that and in between should be really fun. And then, obviously, Friday, preview time again, but this time for another three-title fight card. Yes. That's why we're doing this. Do you you understand? UFC 261, three-title fights, going to be amazing. Mm, mm, But until then, Dominic... Tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter and Instagram,
1: at deasley 14 Find the podcast, more importantly, on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. We'll see you all on Monday. But he, Well, he says that too, but that's <laughs> me saying it. I will see you all on Monday. You get it.
0: Noah, talk. And that's for me. <laughs> If you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. If you have a thought about an upcoming fight, news story, if you just want to say hi or tell us we're a piece of shit, you got 60 seconds to do it at that link. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So, again, you can find all of that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out. We'll see you all on...